My father focused on the positivity of our Prophet ﷺ, the inspiration, the mercy. Shut up, Bilal. Wallahi, right now you're going to pray. I don't care if you miss any prayer, it's now, it's not tomorrow. So I remember those friends really, I don't know why, they hurt me more than the missiles, more than the gunshots, more than the life the life threatening situations. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم. السلام عليكم ورحمة الله Today I'd like to introduce a dear brother of mine, Sheikh Bilal Asad, uh, who's come to join us at the Safi Bros podcast, uh, sharing his success story, inshallah. Sheikh uh, Bilal Asad uh, is a community leader within our community, mashallah, uh, very well recognized internationally, of course, in Australia. Um, he is currently working as a senior teacher at the Australian Islamic Academy. Australian International International Academy. Academy. And, and also he's a marriage, marriage celebrant and also has studied Sharia in Lebanon and uh, also biomedicine, of course. Biomedical science. Biomedical yeah. science, subhanAllah. Mm. So he's, he's been around and uh, he's, inshallah, we welcome him uh, to this amazing opportunity for us to share his story with us and have a candid discussion. Going through. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. How are you, my Safi brothers? Allah <laughs> The Safi brothers are good. Uh, we are absolutely ecstatic and excited to have you here today. And uh, as you know, you're a dear brother and we go back. Uh, oh, we're like family now. We all the way from Sheikh Fahmi days when you were a young chap. I think there's, it's, it's good to start from there, I think. Yeah, 100%. I have something to say about growing up here and my journey. And uh, I want to I wanna share this. I actually want to share this with my younger brothers and sisters, perhaps Ya Rab, through my life, they can get some benefit from it and grow. And then I'll get rewarded for them taking the ideas and they can share the ideas with us. We don't keep our ideas to ourselves when it's for the sake of Allah. I was born in Australia, Williamstown. And I was raised with a particular village belonging to my mother's. They're called the Mishmish village, which <laughs> literally means apricot. And the Mishmish village are very unique people. They stick together. They don't go outside. In that time, they didn't go outside their circle yeah. because there were migrants here. And obviously, you want to familiar. Your identity is very important. So they wanted to stay with their families and they understood each other. That's right. And my father was also there in Newport, Williamstown. So I, I was raised there learning about village type of people and a mix of young people who were born here and raised here. I went to an Islamic school. It was called King. It was called the Coburg Islamic School, then turned into King Khalid Islamic School. Yeah. That was the primary. It was the first... Islamic school uh, in Victoria. Yes. First one. I was the first batch there. And now we're having the 40th anniversary, inshallah. Wow. You're still there, subhanAllah. I was the first in 1982, the first batch. And it was a community of ours that made it. The board was people like, were people like my dad, people like your dads, uh, normal, average people who some of them couldn't read a single letter in English. Some of them couldn't read much in Arabic either. They weren't highly educated, but they had an ambition. They had a goal. They had a vision. And uh, I believe that people should not focus on, you know, just the company they work at or the employer they have or the job they have, but rather work towards a vision, work towards a, a an ambition, work towards um, a passion, a bigger picture, a project, uh, an overall. That's, that's nobody can... Uh, uh, enslave you that way. But this, this is what this young community did, right? They built this school and we all came. They said, we wanna, want your identity to be important. So you got a mosque, which Sheikh Fahmi and the rest of the seniors who were around him did. And then you got our parents 
who are thinking about their children, how do we help them maintain their language, the language of the Qur'an, which is Arabic? If you don't know the Arabic, you're not going to understand the Qur'an. How do they maintain their identity to know who they are and where they came from uh, as a community? And uh, Because when you know your background, if you know where you came from and you've traveled the world, you suddenly become more intelligent than a lot of other people. You have that advantage. And I advise everyone who's got children, if they can go back to their homeland for a visit with their children, learn that language, they'll become more open uh, to the world and understand the world a little bit better. Uh, that's what happened to me. But anyway, after the Islamic school, I had beautiful teachers. One of them, I have to say him for the first time, Estaz Nazih He's going to be very happy when he hears this. He's currently here in Australia. Uh, may Allah reward him. He was a extremely valuable uh, tool in, in uh, directing me in the right direction. He taught me Arabic like no other Arabic teacher I've ever seen in Australia yet in so primary nice. school. And that yeah. helped me continue my studies in Lebanon later on. So we finished the Muslim school and I had some friends in the Muslim school. I think the young people would like to hear this. Those friends of mine, we used to compete in Quran and Hadith. And by the way, Sheikh Fahmi was our teacher too in Quran and religion. So he used to put me in all these different activities. Like I told you, when you have a wali, a person who is older than you and wiser has a, a goal and a mission himself or herself, they'll also call upon you to train you. So he, he didn't leave anything for himself. He trained me, he trained my friends. Uh, we had uh, interviews with the uh, media. He used to, we were the first he'd called me and my friends. SubhanAllah. My brother as well. Call us, we'd have interviews about Islam, about deen. That's the way the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is to Always. enrich and develop the children. Give them empowerment. Let them do things. Constantly planting yeah. seeds. I, I, I don't remember him, Sheikh Fahmi, or my father. My father was the same. There were a few people instrumental in my life. My father, obviously, the first, and then Sheikh Fahmi and others like him. Uh, what they did was they empowered me and my friends. I never was told this is the way and only the way. They tell me and then they let me decide as well. They let me work with what I've learned. Let mm. me make decisions, empower me yeah. to lead, even if I make mistakes. Sheikh Fahmi, I don't remember him once yelling at me, frowning at me, shouting at me, except when I got married uh, that time and I had uh, my little uh, son, Allah he was very small. And you know, the, the turban that he used to wear, it looks like a turban, but it's kind of that Lebanese style. Yeah, yeah. It's got the red with the red white around white. it. Yeah, it's yeah. very solid. What do you call it? Like a tarbush almost, yeah, bush, yeah. Yeah. without the, the yeah. tag on the top. And he had it on the on the seat. And I remember he, my son, he was very small, four years old. He touched it. And that was the only time he said, no, you don't touch this because <laughs> the tarbush is meant to be a respectful thing. Yeah, right? yeah, it's an right. imam's thing. That's right. So honestly, and I learned something from that, that although it's just a hat, it's not a, but if you don't respect the religious leaders and the men who are elders and the, 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 the symbols that represent guidance and leadership of the people, Amen. especially the religious ones, you're not going to respect it. You know, it's, it's the first step to respect oh, yeah, So that, that's very important to me, subhanAllah. Anyway, so uh, my father told me the stories of prophets and companions when he used to sit me down. So I established a connection with the companions. You, you need role models in your life. 100%. Although they were far away, I felt like they were always with me. And that was a stepping stone. When I went to year seven, there was no Muslim school in my time. So we went to year seven. I remember at that time it was Coburg High. Now it's demolished. Yeah, <laughs> there's a reason right. for that, but <laughs> there's another Coburg, there's another Coburg there High now. Reason. It's just the seniors, seniors but it's not the same one. So those who were listening, it used to be on Sydney Road in Coburg. It's demolished now. Demolished now. Yeah. Anyway, that Coburg, very rough school. Yeah, did you go there? No, no, no. no. I've got a lot of friends. A lot of friends who are listening. Will know, will know who I'm talking about. Now they're all, mashallah, 
uh, fathers and probably grandfathers. So that Coburg High, we had a lot of Lebanese people there. We had some Turkish people as well. The majority of it were the Lebanese, Coburg, Brunswick type of people. We had some Australians and Asian. Uh, when I say Australians, Anglo-Saxon and uh, people who came from places like England and um, Ireland and, and uh, you know, Scotland, all that stuff. Mm. You know, the history of Australia. So we had some Asians. Anyway, uh, ironically, I made a lot of friends there with people who were not even Muslim. So a lot of the Anglo-Saxon friends I found, like I told you, I'm an introvert and I was able to make friends with them. I had a lot of older Asian friends. So for some reason in my life, there's always older people. And I think that's that's important. Older people can guide you in some way that younger people can't. I was in year seven, friends with people in year 10. And their conversations and the people in year seven were obviously very different. That's right. Sometimes I would avoid some of them, but some of, there were some international students who came in and their language was a bit more refined or their, their, the way they spoke had a bit more intelligence in it, I found. Substance. And I'm not trying to, more substance, I'm not trying putting down anyone who's raised here in Australia, but I got used to the Aussie language and the slang. I'm, I know it. But when you hear somebody coming from overseas speaking from a different intelligence level and from a different perspective. Anyway, this in year seven, I remember... I had a very, very rough time. And I think that's where my uh, journey really began, the tests, the trials. My father had prepared me for that. He told me the stories of the companions, how much they went through trials. And he said, when you stand for something, son, you stand for something, anything, good or bad, but you stand for something and you're an influence, you're going to have enemies. So stand by what is truth. What is the truth? For me, the truth was the Quran and our prophets. Muhammad, Jesus, Moses, all the way. Read about them, I learned about them and their companions. So you stand by something, you're going to have enemies. Allah says it in the Quran, We have made for every prophet an enemy. And the ayah goes on by people from within them. If you stand for something, you're going to have enemies. Just, Otherwise not doing just anything. Just to touch base on mm. that, what made you fall in love with the prophets? I don't know, like your father said, for example, read about him. We have a lot of youth that we, you know, tell them, read. Well, a very good question. Very good question. That is very important, especially for the parents and teachers. My father focused on the positivity of our Prophet the inspiration, the mercy, the kindness. That's what you got to do with little kids. Mm. You know, he told me about Jannah, he told me about the companions and their, and and how they were young around the Prophet, peace be upon him. So, you know, even when young people watch a movie, when they see kids their age, they get attracted to watching it. They see kids too old or too young, they don't teenager likes to see teenagers in a movie so my father made it a movie Rasul although he was in his 40s he had young people around him the companions he told me 13 years old 13 dad yeah and 10 years old Anas radiallahu I was 10 Abdullah I was like 10 years I was 10 myself he says yes they were were much more mature than this is what they did and that's what then the Prophet used to smile and the Prophet used to do this and used to do that he sat with a boy I remember he said he said sat with a boy who lost his pet bird so everybody was he said son in those days people used to uh, frown upon anyone who cries you know say "Um, you're a man you can't cry and the Prophet went and paid condolences to this young boy and he put his arm around him and smiled and says, tell me about a Nugair. Nugair is the little bird, the type of bird that he used to have. Tell me all about it. Got the boy to empty his heart and talk about the story of the little oh, pet bird. Uh, it's, the story is like the Prophet looking after little mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. He had a child who lost his mum and dad and the other children would play with him on Eid and he found him crying. The Prophet said, where is your family? Where is your brother? He says, my father died, Ya Rasulullah, in the battle. 
my mother, she she wasn't dead. She she got married and left me, and I'm by myself. And these children, they look at me funny. They don't let me play with them. It's like I'm an outsider. So the Prophet took him and he said, "Today I will be your father. My wife will be your mother, and my children will be your siblings." And he made him have you guys. He wouldn't let him go until he was smiling and joyful. And he made sure that someone can foster him and take care of him and look after him and shelter him until he grew up. These are some examples of the stories my father used to oh, tell me, yeah. which make you fall in love with the Prophet because you, he brought him from 1,400 years ago to here, right in front of me, like he's with you. And Allah says it in the Quran, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا There has come to you the most beautiful role model in the Messenger of God. So having said this, I went to year seven, which is form one or the first year of secondary. And I found that from these stories, I, for some reason, I found that I was thinking a bit of a higher order than the year sevens. I was more like year nines, year tens. I could yeah, communicate I with them, rela with them relate more. to them relate more. To them, yeah. The younger ones were too busy with superficial things, materialistic things. And um, that's what young people are like. But when you learn more and you learn about the Prophet your brain just gets a little bit more mature at an earlier age. So one of the things I remember was uh, about the clothing. That's the first thing young people notice. How do you look? Your mm -hmm. hair, your face, the brands that you wear. Is it in? Is it not in? Are you in with the times? Are you not in with the <laughs> times? Got the right shoes. You got to have the right shoes. You have to have the right lingo. In those days, if you didn't say that's rad, rad, what it, you don't even, you don't even know how to talk. Now rad is like ancient. You say that they'll say what are you saying? Man, back in it's rad. We remember having um, certain brands that everybody if. That if somebody was wearing them, you are the coolest. Yes. You're the coolest, yes. yes. There's nothing really. Subhanallah. Um, I'm at Reebok pumps. I had Reebok pumps. You remember the Reebok? <laughs> Reebok pumps. All right. What, my, gra my grandma gave it to my wife. She goes, I said, like, you put, it's better for you to stick two, two $200 notes on, you, on your feet and walk around with it. You look better. The gray Reebok pumps. The How first, first Reebok pumps. Remember the Reebok pumps? The, there's pump, a little, little basketball and you pump, right. pump it up and it gets. Oh, Having, talking about the Reebok. So in year seven, the best brands at that time were Reebok and Adidas. Adidas, Adidas had just come out. Yeah, that's right. There was no Nike. Nike no, was Nike. not was Nike. Was, 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 Adidas and Reebok. That's right. No uh, Asics, none of that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Nike wasn't even as a... Nike wasn't. It was Reebok, Adidas. Yes, yeah. Especially Adidas. Both. That's right. Adidas, and Reebok. But Adidas was something else, uh, right? So whoever had Adidas was the cool kid. Doesn't matter. Nothing else mattered. <laughs> Nothing else mattered for this person. <laughs> my mum bought me an Adidas. I remember the first Adidas my mum bought me, but she bought me a yellow gold one. I cop so much black. Yellow and gold one? Yellow and gold one because the Olympics. <laughs> let me tell you something. Oh, the, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. This is You're going to like this one. Hello, Having focused too much on superficial appearance, these young people, I didn't see any value to it. But the pressure. The pressure, peer pressure so, oh, killed me. Amen, amen. I thought, man, I've got to survive at this school. I'm stuck. <laughs> and in those days, my father wanted to put me in a different high school. He wanted to put me in Strathmore. Strathmore yes, is another, yeah. another public school. I wanted to go there. But but in Australia, you know, in Victoria, if you don't live in that municipality, yeah, yeah, yeah. you have to go to the closest public school oh, that you can. So Coburg, I'm stuck with it. I had to go there. And um, I couldn't afford, my father couldn't afford Adidas. Or my father used to think, oh, you've got to manage your money better. You can't just spend $70, $80 $70 in those days back in the 80s was Big huge. Money, man. Big you don't money. spend $70, $80 on Adidas. 
Now, here's the thing about Adidas that time. It came out with three stripes. That's right. Do you remember? Three stripes. God help you. If you had two stripes, <laughs> one stripe. or one stripe, oh my God. you're finished. <laughs> no stripes is better than any stripes. Yeah. Wear your pajamas. You'll wear your pajamas, but don't wear one or two stripes. I remember that. I remember that. The badly used cop. Oh my, God. my mother, <laughs> she she sews. That's her, her skill. <laughs> Guess what? She sewed my sports clothes. <laughs> she did it at home. Well, she just gets some material from, that time it was Forges. Remember Forges? Yeah, Forges. Yes. Yes. Just give me some materials. She goes, I'll make you. My dad goes, ah, beautiful. We don't have to pay a cent. Just $5, you make the yeah. tracksuit pants. Because in that school, we didn't have a sports uniform. You can wear, there were days you can wear any sports uniform yeah. that you like. Now, that was a killer because when that day came, I thought, oh, man, the now they're going to know who I really am, what <laughs> I can afford. What I can. So my mother days. used to make me these normal tracksuit pants. At least they go, oh, here's one of those, you know. In today's terms, the youngsters would know I would be the equivalent of an NPC. You know what an NPC is? No. no. Non-player character. You guys don't know NPC. No, like maybe no. the young people know. So basically, I'm a loser. I'm, I'm a nobody. Uh, he's one of those nobodies, the losers. They'll never get anywhere in life. Anyway, one day my father, he bought me um, what looked like Adidas pants. They had three stripes. But guess what? When people looked at him, they go, oh, he's cool. And now, uh, it's Adibas. <laughs> it's one of those fake brands. I go, oh, man, I've copped it. And I copped it even more after that. But one day I had an operation on my ear. And uh, my uncle, a labetic fees, he lives here in Australia. My uncle Yusuf, he bought me a present. I opened up the present and guess what? Adidas. It was Adidas. It was a normal brand. It wasn't something spectacular. <laughs> it was just black with white stripes. Original. But it was a whole original three stripes. I saw the three stripes. I saw the Adidas. Oh, that was eight for me. Oh, that was a third eight for me. Love. I could not wait to wear them. So I went to school. I wore them. Love. Wallahi, suddenly, that was the most amazing week I've ever had in my life. I was cool. Love. I was one of the best. I was with the other people who... They weren't achieving much, nothing really, <laughs> but just he's got three stripes, he can afford it. It's amazing how much pressure there is. I still, I know you're, you're giving me, bringing me back to the days, man. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. There were youngsters that time who got so much peer pressure over this that I know some of them used to go and steal the Adidas pans from the nearby stores Hanallah. up in Sydney Road. And one day, at, like, they'd steal him just because of the peer pressure. You know how, yeah. see, this is what peer pressure does to you. My Allah. father, may Allah reward him. Allah reward him. He really taught me to connect to people higher than the people I see. So every time I got bullied, every time I got teased about something, I just remember, well, the companions went through more, more than this. And they are m much greater than these people. Khalid ibn Walid, Umar ibn al-Khattab, Ali radiallahu anhu, Abdullah ibn Musa ibn Umayr, the Prophet sallallahu who, who are these people? Can I'm, I'm with the big people. Inshallah, I felt that they're always with me. And that helped me not get affected yeah. by the words and by the bullying and everything. My father used to tell me, you know, that as you get older, those people who are against you, once they know you, Allah will change them to come to you. I mean, they will come to you for I help because they're going to fall into a lot of problems. This I is the mean. way they're going to go. So uh, as we got older, some of them used to smoke cigarettes. Uh, some of them got kicked out because of that. Others started to go on drugs by the year eight. Even some Muslims, unfortunately, 
got really stuck with the peer pressure and started going towards that other direction just to remain cool. Some of them wouldn't even walk with me because they said, you know, you're one of those losers, you know. I said, okay, well, that's fine. But the good friends did stick by me. Amen. You know, and I remember some of them non-Muslim, wallahi. I still remember their names. I saw some of them the other day. And uh, till today, so, yeah, well, Muslim is amazing, but also the character is more amazing. I mean, when Muslim, so and, and I had non-Muslims who had amazing character. I'm not saying they're all like that. I'm not telling people to, you know, just choose this friend or that friend. But people who you can trust and uh, have good character, you go with them. Of course. That's where I learned all my swear words. I didn't know all the swear, any, any swear word that time. I used to mix them up and that made it even worse for me because I'd use them in the wrong context. And then I go, I told you he's a loser, man. I remember one time uh, they, uh, I was at recess or lunchtime and they found out that I don't have a girlfriend. So they come up to me, that's some year eights and some year sevens, girls and boys. They said, why don't you have a girlfriend? You're not allowed in your religion. I said, not because I'm not, a, yeah, it's not allowed in my religion, but I choose to obey my religion. I'm in year seven and saying this, I choose to obey it because it's wow. the truth. And I go, what? You're not allowed. That's hard. See this girl over here? I remember this guy from Europe, he brought her and he goes, if I want, we can do this or that right now without going to details. SubhanAllah. And he goes, isn't that right? And then she said, yeah, if I want to. I said, yeah, but like, see, I look at you, I respect you. And I think, you know, your dignity is much more important. I'm talking like that in year seven, your <laughs> dignity. And my father said, dignity, <laughs> el honor. <laughs> So I said, you're, you know, the honor, like your honor is much more. I think it's more valuable than that. And they're thinking. They go, well, when will you? You know what? You never go with a girl. I said, no, we get married. Go, you're going to wait till then? I go, yeah, I'll get married. You know, it's just me and my wife and, and it's called halal. So they learned halal and haram. Look, in one way, they respected me. In another way, they wanted to have fun and joke because yeah. I got this guy. Who's, so this is where the journey started to understand people, understand going through some peer pressure and social pressure and knowing who I am and my identity. It got me even stronger with my identity. And Alhamdulillah, that helped us. There was a sister from the Murad family. She used to work there at uh, the school as a, like a chaplain kind of person. And uh, she helped us uh, get together and pray al-Zuhur prayers. The school gave us uh, a prayer room and we demanded some halal food and well we didn't demand that we, we we asked for it in a nice way and, and they facilitated it for us and then uh, that's in the mosque at, at, well the prayer room at the high school was where i started meeting all the other muslims who are like me and like oh, the dean wow. older a lot of them were older some of them the same and now alhamdulillah i had a fraternity of, of, of a community Good just network. within the school that gave me a little bit more strength when, so, when did the step take that you wanted to become a da'i or you wanted to become well, a sheikh? Uh, I'll tell you what, the step to become a da'i, the vision started with me in year eight at Strathmore High. I had a friend who was Turkish and he was a bit lost that time, knew nothing about the deen. And he used to swear, was foul, disrespectful, rude in every way. A lot, all the girls hated him in year eight. So, ah, it's him again. And uh, the most of them were Greeks. So I grew up with the Greeks and got to know yeah. the Greek community. So I'm a bit fond of the Greek community yeah, we the have Greeks and, the, and the Turkish community So <clears throat> and the Lebanese community. But the Turkish community because of that brother and and also the Greek community. So I oh, learned wow. a few of their languages. And Muhammad, that, that Greek community were Christian Orthodox. Yeah. I was surprised how in year eight, for the first time I met people who were Christians, or Orthodox, and were thinking of in a higher order thinking. In Coburg High, compared to these guys, I thought, these guys, I can talk to them. They understand on what level I'm, 
they understand what I'm saying <laughs> because they're following a religion. Yes. Right? So they're religious. Yes. Even though Orthodox is, is not a religion we agree, we, we, we believe in, you know, believing that Jesus Christ is a son of God and he was crucified and that God died on a cross and so on and so forth and the Trinity, we don't. 100%. But they had conversations with me on level that I can now, can, you know, talk at a high oh, level. Which class did we choose? The art class, like everyone else in art. And you just talk. And we used to talk about religion. At that time, the Gulf War happened where America invaded, uh, where um, Saddam Hussein went into Kuwait and then, Kuwait, yeah. and all that stuff. And America was planning on doing things. That was before the, we're talking yes, in the 80s. The topic of religion came up. And these people talked to me about religion the entire year. And that Turkish friend of mine changed over the year. His swearing became less. We started praying behind the portables. He used to sometimes insult me and, and joke with me and the others would insult me. And then I found out that these insults are meant to be just jokes. So I got used to insults in the sense that I could tell which one's a joke, which one's serious. Um, it's it's yeah. really important, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. That, it is. That took off some of the stress because I wasn't so serious anymore. I just swear I'm going. It's it's that again. So come on, let's go. I didn't pay attention. It was that that made me a little bit immune to to, to insults. Alhamdulillah. And those Greek people, I mean, uh, they would debate me, debate, 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 debate. And then one day I remember in art class, somebody ruined my art picture. Someone wrote on it something, and they told me, "Hey, it's it's that guy Lazarus." So I went to his artwork and I wrote I remember, I remember writing I know you did it but patience is the key to justice <laughs> that was yay I was such, I was such a nerd I was such a nerd bro. such a nerd okay, patience is the key to justice but you know what wallahi Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided me maybe and I, I believe he did guide me and he entered his heart this guy got offended right I, all the swear words all the you know the stuff for a lot of the insults about the mother and about whatever didn't affect them. That one quote affected this guy. And he's like, he's very insulting. He comes up and goes, I don't know what they told you. They betrayed me. You know, they, they snitch, the, the word today, snitch. And you tell me, you think I did it. I didn't do it. I go, well, what are you upset about? He goes, why did you go and write patience, the key to justice? That's an insult to me. I'm a good person. <laughs> SubhanAllah. Go, wow, did you get affected by that? Because, yeah. I was a bit happy. Yeah, the guy's got some intelligence. He's got some faith. SubhanAllah. I go, all right, all right. Look, uh, I don't know. They told me. They set you up. Ask your mates. Anyway, that was a journey for me to learn a lot of things about people. By the end of the year, that Turkish friend and I had a fight. It was my fault. We had a fight and uh, we didn't want to talk to each other. Physical? or just... No, no, no. A bit of pushing and shoving, a bit more words. Okay. Right? And I remember the girls in our class in year eight. Some of them, some of them were a bit more sensible. They used to say to me, "You know, Bilal, from the moment you came in here, that young, that so and so changed. He's changed. It's not the same anymore. You had a good effect on him." I used to say, "Alhamdulillah." They go, "What does that mean?" I say, "Oh, thank God." Anyway, we had a fight, and then all those friends who used to insult me, Subhanallah, they changed. They came to us, wanted to reconcile us. Remember the others, they'd come to me and say, look, you know, you're intelligent, young man, we love you, and he, you know, he's a good man, and, you know, we love you two guys to get together. I said, what? You guys have been insulting us for the past nine months, and now you want to come reconcile us? I learned a lot about people. SubhanAllah. Not judging quickly, understanding people's language, and, standing, and that helps you to, to talk with people and know 
which way to go around. Soft skills, man. Such so emotional intelligence is an important one and communication, social skills is highly important. Yeah, you have to get that right. I remember once in year eight, this young boy uh, threw a coin. Now you asked me, how do I start the dawah? This is how I'm starting. These are the things that are starting to happen to me. They just build up. I didn't look for them. They came to me, subhanAllah. And then I seized the opportunity. And Allah brought these guidance. I think Rasulullah says, whoever wants the guidance, Allah will, will show them the guidance. Amen. You want it. But actually, I'll tell you exactly how. So the, the, this guy threw a coin and I said, tails. So he turned it to tails. And he threw it again and again and again and again. About 10 times or 11 times, I got it right. Wow. His name was Craig. And he said to me, how'd you get it? And then I thought to myself, you know what? Oh, my father told me, whoever guides someone on your hands is better than what the sun has risen upon. Maybe he'll become Muslim. I go, Allah, I've got it. Allah is giving it to me. So I said, throw it as many times as you like and I'll get it right. In my head, I thought, I hope Ya Rabbi, I get it right. I'm going to use that to manipulate him to say the Shahada. So he threw it maybe another five times and I got it right. Wallahi, I got it right. Allah, I got Allah. And I even got surprised. He goes, how did you know? I go, it was Ramadan. I said, see, listen, Craig, I'm fasting today and I'm a Muslim and I pray. God has given me this power to show you the right way. <laughs> That's a little kid talking. I'm not saying people should talk that way. But I'm showing you asking me where I got it from. These things, I think Allah is giving me ilham, this, this yeah, inspiration. The okay, if you say it, you'll have that power too. So he said the shahada. Subhanallah. I mean, you're right. He was only 13, 14 years old. Subhanallah. I said, all right. You can't eat pork. <laughs> That's the first thing. <laughs> we go for the superficial stuff. You can't eat pork. You can't swear. Subhanallah. You know, even though Islam is more than that. Okay. And you've got to fast, man. You've got to start fasting now. Yeah. And you know when you see me praying, you're going to come pray with me. Because, oh, it's too much. Subhanallah. So, all right, you don't have to fast, but don't eat pork. And don't eat in front of me. <laughs> he said, all right, all right. What about praying? I go, you can try. Come pray with us. Just do what we do. And he did. He prayed a couple of prayers with me and the, the Turkish brother. And he stopped eating pork. <laughs> and he stopped swearing. Every time I told him, you're swearing. Mm. And then he goes, oh, oh, what do I say? I go, say, astaghfirullah. He never got it right. But over time, I... so that went on for about four days. And then he goes, I can't be stuffed. He left it and just went back. <laughs> but these little journeys helped me. I remember going back home. I said, ya Rabb. Guide me to be a person who helps other people and guides them to your deen and to the right way wow. and teach me. Hello, we used to read Quran all the time. So one day after making that dua, Wallahi uqsimu billah. I remember I was about 12 and it was a Saturday morning. I went and sat and I was reciting the Quran. My father used to bring us movies of martial arts. Why? Because, you know, the Asian Chinese movies, they hardly had any haram in them. <laughs> if you had a woman, she's dressed from top to bottom, mashallah, almost like a full-on Muslim. And the Asians in those movies don't touch That's true, men yeah. and women. That's so true. Remember Jackie Chan? He was, yeah, was yeah. his types of movies. And yeah, he used to yeah. jump up and do all this martial arts. So we loved it. My dad found us an alternative. So he didn't just say, that's haram. He gives us an alternative. And he used yes. to tell me that. We got us some games. We used to, And there, oh, was, the, there was some shows about Muslim kids. Uh, doing stories of about Iblis and stories about the boy and the king and stories about the three men, the, the bold and the, the blind man and leprous. So these are stories in the Hadith. I learned these from a young age from there and I got inspired by them. The kid who was reading Quran, I want to read Quran like him. So one day on a Saturday morning, I used to try and train. My father would train us, take us to the mosque. That's where you got to, you got to attach yourself to the mosque as your community. 
And when I'm reciting Quran, and one day, subhanAllah, just clicked. I kept learning, learning, learning. And then one day, I discovered that I have a nice voice in the Quran and I'm able to recite well. So I'm reading and I'm thinking, where did this come from? Wallahi, I don't know how. But obviously from listening and from practicing, it comes, right? My father says, oh my, you, you can read. You've even got a nice voice. My whole family came around. I felt like a king. And I kept reading. I go, I don't know how I'm doing it. I'm coming out nice. So from listening. From that day, I felt something is going on. Subhanallah. So we went to Lebanon after that. In Lebanon, it was another test, you know, learning all the different sects of Islam, you know, sects of people. So people who follow different cults and beliefs and things like that. That would have been a huge culture shock. That was huge. But at that time, I had entered uh, the uh, school, the Lebanese schools. I went straight into year 10. Oh, I skipped year 9. Oh, wow. Skipped year oh, 9 wow. because uh, it was too late over there. I've never done year 9. But you had to do an entrance test for oh, year wow. 10. How, how are you going to pass? Entrance test is Arabic, math, and English. My Arabic is weak compared to the, uh, a year 10 student in Lebanon. Yeah. How am I supposed to do that? And they give me poetry. Anyway, long story short, I... I managed to pass the test just barely because of my math and English. Arabic, I failed miserably, but they still accepted me in a school that teaches English. How long were you living for? So I was living for nearly five years. Wow. Yeah, four, four and a half years. So I finished all my so studies So we went at the time where everyone was relocating. Yes. That was the time when the civil war in Lebanon had just ended. Mm. And people didn't want to go back there. They said to my dad, you're crazy. Yeah. What are you doing? Going? He sold everything, but because he wanted us to learn our heritage and our identity. It was hard. It was very hard. We lived with, with around the poor people. And then the fast, after the first few years, we became like the rest of the people. And by the end of it, my father left us there, my brother and I. My brother did a trade and I finished my high school and I did Sharia there. Sharia is the Islamic uh, Sharia at a tertiary level. And alhamdulillah, with the experience, my sheikhs that came around me, the different types of people at the school, because at school and in, in, in Lebanon, you're not the same age. I was in year 10. I had a 19-year-old in year 10 because he had failed beforehand. Mm. So I had people who were older than me again. And I'm talking to them and they're teaching me a lot of stuff. I had religious people, much more religious than me. People who recite the Quran much better than me. People more knowledgeable than me. And one day I'm walking with a friend and I said, you know what? I realized Allah's power. I swear, I said to him, to my friend, wallahi, Allah has only ever brought in my life good friends around me. Friends that, that, that Allah loves. And he smiled, that friend. He used to teach me a bit. This was a friend who was two years my senior. And he used to teach me more about the deen, the Quran, that I've never heard before. So from my dad to now peers and friends that are teaching me. So I remember one day I, I went to the mosque and I used to do a halaqah. So there was a local mosque that I, I loved going there. My heart was connected to that mosque. Is to go there and and, uh, and and learn how to read the Quran even better in a halakha circle. And one day these two kids, they saw me reciting well. I'm catching on even better. And they came up to me and asked me some religious questions. It was the first time any stranger asked me religious questions. Wow. And I answered it and they go, Wallah, you helped us. They were just probably 16, 17-year-olds. I went back home and I said to my mum, Mama, today these strangers came and asked me about Islamic questions. What does this mean? She goes, Wallahi, my son, Wallahi, my mother. Wallahi, yesterday I saw a dream. So what's the dream? She goes, I saw a dream that you're um, reciting Quran on, a, on, on stage and everybody's listening to you. And then she said, I see a, a beautiful, bright man come towards me and smiling and saying, good news to your son because he reads the Quran. She said, Wallahi. And from that day, I decided I'm going to keep reading the Quran. But keep in mind, I didn't leave school. 
I didn't sit there saying, I've got to live in the mosque, I've got to live in the Quran. No, 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 no. I kept on being with people with projects, initiatives. Muhammad, after that, uh, my mother saw another dream and she said, I saw you this time standing on the pulpit giving lectures to people and there were thousands of people. Wow. So that day I said, Ya Rabbi, I had learned a verse from the Quran, dua, and I said, Allahumma ja'alli, uh, Allahumma atini al-hikmata wa fasla al-khitab. Wow. Why am I saying this? I'm not. This is the first time I'm saying this particular dua. But uh, I want to encourage my brothers and sisters. I don't want you to misunderstand me. This is not praising myself. I have to. We don't say this out of praise. We say this purely as Allah is my witness to encourage my brothers Amen. and sisters that how dua helps, that you yeah. by yourself can do nothing. 100%. And I said, Ya Rab, I read a verse when you're reciting in the Quran. You say, oh, this prophet, I think it was Prophet Nuh or Prophet, any one of the prophets, he said, Rabbi atin al-hikmata wa fasl al-khitab. So my mother had that second dream, seeing me on the pulpit. And um, uh, for some reason, that was a kind of guidance for me. I didn't know if it was going to happen or not. But everyone has certain dreams. So people have people come into their lives. They, Every person comes into their life, guides you in some way. You have Amen. to make that decision. Amen. You either take it or you take another road. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't force you into a particular direction. But he gives you hidayat. He gives you guidance no matter where you go. Amen. The way I like to think about it is like, you know, in the universe, the black hole, everything ends up in the black hole inevitably, but there are different pathways. We're going to end up going back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, different pathways. Amen. And when we make dua, when we have people in our lives, when we have a network, the decisions we make, the opportunities that come our way, the dua, the, you know, all those decisions, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then channels us in another pathway. And sometimes it brings another thing to take us back into a different pathway. And to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the way I understand life with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that He is always there to help you see the best way till you meet Him. Yeah. But, he lights up the road. Yeah. He, he lights up this pathway. That's right. And sometimes you go, no, no, no. It's, like you can see the light and you should walk down that street. And subhanAllah. And some of us will either hold back from fear or whatever it could be. That's right. And some of us just walk it quickly. That's right. And I want to tell the young people that, you know, overthinking sometimes is not good. But learning, learning first before you make a decision is important. Seeking advice, having a network of different age groups and experience and expertise, having your parents around talking to them reading books about different topics of social life communication understanding even money management all that read learn from different angles and your knowledge just keeps increasing you make your better decisions and god brings you guidance it's not this one's that one it's not this one's yeah, that man. one until sometimes we make wrong decisions allah gives us another pathway and we end up going on a pathway where it has more rocky roads and we think why is god doing this to me but god is telling you in other words look i'm not forcing a direction i'm just you know interpreting what I understand from the Quran, that God is not telling I'm going to force you. You have a choice. You are your own, you know, your own Amen. person. I've given you that privilege. Allah says we created you and we made you able to hear, to see, to think, to analyze. The Quran says analyze more than 33 times. Think, reflect. But we made you able to see, have foresight and be able to listen and hear and analyze. So Allah says I've given you what you need, right? And this is how I honor you. Allah says, well, We have honored the children of Adam. How do you honor a person? You give them choice. You give them faculties. You give them strengths. You give them skills. And then you tell them, now you make the decisions. Lead yourself. 
That's how you become fe- feeling valuable and important. Isn't that right? Yeah. You guys yeah. employ young people like that. Or do you just uh, treat them like robots? No, no you got to, you could take them on retreats. Yeah. You teach them how to develop themselves and use their own skills so they can lead rather than being led. 100%. So they can benefit rather than being the one who's begging. Involve them. Exactly. Involve. You, you give involved. rather than always taking. Nobody yes. respects and likes a person's always taking and begging. I like the people who are, who are giving, the ones who are, what's the word for it? You are useful, not useless. 100%. You are powerful, not weak. You have resources, not the ones who don't have resources. You have connections, not the ones who don't have connections. You have values, you have boundaries. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honors us that way. And Muhammad, uh, the important thing is that after my mother saw this dream, I saw this guidance, I took the Quran. Reading the Quran is a crucial point of every Muslim's life. You must read the Quran and try to understand bits and pieces here and there as you go along. Ask some questions and don't leave your salat. I remember with the salat, I said, man, I was cutting off my prayers. You know, it's five daily prayers. Sometimes I'd pray Monday, then I'd skip it Tuesday, and then I'd miss the Dhuhr and I'd miss the Asr. I was about 14. And then I would say to myself, the shaitan plays tricks on you, procrastinate. It's called procrastination. Oh, and yeah. wallahi, it starts from there. Amen. For me, it started from the Salat. Getting, getting if you don't want to be a procrastinator, start, start with your Salat. Amen. Organize your Salat and organize everything around it. Watch how productive you are. Amen. Even from making your bed is, 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 is something that teaches you productivity. Amen. But with the Salat, I say Monday, now Tuesday. And I saw it affecting me in my studies. I saw it affecting me in my life the decisions I made in my life. Amen. It just created a habit of procrastination. Amen. So one day I said, you know what? I'm going to start tomorrow. Tomorrow came, I prayed Fajr, Zuhur, I missed Asr. Okay, man, I stuffed it up. Khalas, tomorrow, forget about Maghrib and Aisha. Next day came, Yalla, fight. No, no good. I go, it's the end of the week anyway. Let's start next week. I go, oh, you know what? Ramadan's around the corner. I'll start Ramadan. <laughs> Just keep procrastinating, pushing. Yeah, and then one day I said to myself, shut up, Bilal. Wallahi, right now, you're going to pray. I don't care if you miss any prayer. It's now. It's not tomorrow. It's not later. So I kept on going. From that day, I made the decision. I found that I had the power over myself. Amen, Do you understand? Amen. I made the decision, a decision that even if I skip, I'm going to make it up. And I told myself to be quiet and shut up. You know, stop sitting down and being such a weakling. Go. I did it. Since then, alhamdulillah, never left the salat, alhamdulillah. Five daily prayers have become part of so my food and drink. The way we talk to ourselves. The way you talk to yourself. The way you talk to yourself. And subhanAllah, and we can reflect on that ourselves. Yes. It's the times where we said, that's it, khalas. There is no other alternative. There's no other road. I'm going to go down that road. And many of us, alhamdulillah, made those decisions many times with business, with... What I just told you, you can apply it to anything. anything, you, can, anything. you can even apply it to corruption and evil things. Yeah, I mean, yes. yeah, I mean. But once you make the decision, it's, it all starts with that little thought. Like you have willpower. Wallahi. Yeah, I mean. Wallahi, you have to talk to yourself. I, tell, I always tell these kids, you got to talk to yourself. How often do you tell yourself, no, that's it? No. Yes. G- uh, give yourself that, make, yani, give yourself that strength. Bring mm-hmm. bravery and courage. So I went and made a dua from reading the Quran. It said, one prophet said, Allahumma atinil hikmata wa fasl al khitab. Oh Allah, give me wisdom. Hikmah is wisdom, meaning to know what to say at what time or to know what how to place your knowledge and use it in the right place. So hikmah, wisdom, right from wrong. And fasl al khitab, the ability to speak with eloquence or or, or to 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 cut the small talk, for example, yeah. and get to the chase and, and, and be relevant. And so eloquent tongue, a good tongue and ability yes, to speak and, and let people hear. So this is my dua at that no. time. Alhamdulillah, after no. that, I did become a public speaker and slowly, but not without Allah's guidance, not without the networks, not without people around me that Allah brought and I accepted and encouraged me, my father, my friends, my older friends, Sheikh Fahmi, the friends at school, the negativities, the insults, the bullying, the support, all of it is a package, and that's why Allah says, Inna ma'al usri yusra. 
with every one single hardship. There are doors that open, there are eases that come out of it. And no, Rasul he said, no, that whoever sabara was stabara, sabarahullah. Whoever uses patience and stabara. Stabara means you act and do things that help you to be patient. So, for example, distract yourself, busy yourself, uh, start new projects, Amen. right? Uh, get support. All these help you to be patient. Called istibar, Allah will then assist you. You got to do you. You got to do a little bit of your part. Yeah. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, you'll find that the, the, the guidance coming from Him. So it's a two-way thing. It's not just by yourself. It's not just Allah sitting there. Oh, God's going to give it to me. I just sit on my backside doing nothing. Allah, catching back, like you said, how you started public speaking. Mm. Can you remember like the first time you spoke out and I how do. you felt and Ooh. the pressure and like, can you remember that? How yes, you felt and yes, how? Yes, like, yes, yes. Well, actually, the first time I ever started public speaking really was when I was a child. And again, Sheikh Fahmi and Estaz Nazi. Estaz Nazi, his name is, is here. He'll, he'll love seeing this, as I said before. They got me to say um, hadiths. The first hadith I ever said was a long hadith about Jibreel when he entered the Prophet said, Ya Rasulullah, teach me about Islam. And he told him the five pillars. He says, teach me about Iman, faith. And he told him the six pillars of faith. Teach me about Ihsan, a higher order of faith. He says to worship Allah as if you can see him. But although you know you cannot see him, you know that he sees you. So that was the hadith I mentioned. My father came to him. You, you get feedback. Father said, I felt like you were a sheikh giving a chutbah and everybody's listening to you. My mother, the people said, all right, this is a good guy. So that's when I found that I had an ability to speak. But when I, encouragement. And a lot of parents, this is the thing, instead of advising your children, instead of a teacher advising their parents, or a counselor advising anybody, no matter what you are, instead of advising, why don't you change your language to encouraging? Encourage that child rather than advise. Tell them to go this way and then they get used to just, okay, Mm. What did he tell me? That's the only way I've got to go. Let encourage. <clears throat> Take some time. Be brave to do different things and think for yourself. Amen, amen. So that's my first public speaking. And um, at school, I tried it. And then at uni, I came back to Australia. And uh, after getting all that training in Lebanon, the people and the poverty that we went through, the hardships that you went through, the cold water that you had to use for your showers, the buckets that you had to fill the water in in the morning. There's no, there's no, <laughs> no water electricity. sometimes. No electricity in the dark and you had to put it on the gas. Sometimes you don't have a gas stove, you, don't, you, you can't afford the gas. So sometimes I'd light up paper. Sometimes it's cold so water. It's amazing what and, hardship, yeah. what hardship does to define us and, and appreciate and gratitude. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about the three stripes anymore. No more Adidas or Nike. Nobody cared about it. Wallahi, one day I wore the Adidas. Um, I had some Adidas pants after that. And I go, what What are you doing? Because you're wearing a bijama. <laughs> I thought it was pajamas. They don't wear tracks. From, from being the coolest kid wearing three stripes to, look at this. Sorry. Look at this. Um, Nincampoop is wearing <laughs> is wearing uh, pajamas out Pajama. in the in Lebanon was something else. Really teaches you how to appreciate the I, essentials and the simple things in life. Your family, your, yeah. Can you share with us? I think you know these are the fruits and the gold gold nuggets. I think uh, like what would be like in Lebanon, meaning a youth there coming there. What was like the hardest time? What, what take us to a moment in your life that was just like absolutely difficult where you were saying out of can, can you sort of take us there that sort of also because these are the moments that define us and give us the elevation again to see bigger and better look i could say it was the missiles that th flew above us because the civil war still had remnant effects and the 
fighter ships out in the sea that was in front of us. Don't worry, I know the seas in front of us would be a great holiday, but it wasn't like that. I know. Yeah, we had what looked like a river in front of our house. I go, look how beautiful that river is. They go, it's a sewage, man. It's a sewage that was bombed in the Civil War. And I go, that's why it stinks. The, I could say the bombs, I could say those nights sometimes when I first heard bombs, the whole building would shake. Wallahi, literally, I was, I felt my soul used to come out of my body. I remember wow. once I flew off my bed and just ran to my parents. I was 16, you know, at that time. Wow. I could say all that stuff. I could say the bullets that I used to hear, but then I got used to it, like everyone else. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's another bomb. It's another bullet. Someone died. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on him or her. I got a lot of stories that I want to share here because some of them were traumatic, actually. I saw some traumatic things. Wow. Yeah, I was 16, 17 that time. But having the network and the masjid and the people around you helped you to stay strong. These people, mashallah. But I would say it's just, it's actually connecting with the people again. Mm. I wanted to feel a belonging. I couldn't feel it. I don't know how they talk. I don't know how to communicate with them. I don't know. And if you can't communicate, you can't survive. Of course. So I needed help again. That was the hardest thing I would say for me is to adapt and to get along and to know what to do because ignorance not knowing is the worst is the greatest That's fear but when you know doesn't matter what's around you once you know once you get this once you have the skills and the knowledge you feel safer doesn't matter what you're doing anymore it doesn't matter what you're doing uh so i would say um you know i would have said the the, the bombs and the, and the missiles were the most traumatic and scariest thing look i'll share with you one little thing subhanallah i think that created uh, empathy and, and changed my whole course that's why now I'm also a student counsellor. So I remember, you know, one little girl who got um, molested and, uh, wow. and killed. And wow. she was a beautiful young girl. Heck, she used to go to the school about nine years old. And uh, I'll cut it. I, want to, I don't want to say too much because it's quite disturbing. But um, the girl really affected me till today, subhanAllah. And that created a passion and a mission in me that... I need to help people and the oppressed and the wronged and the all that stuff, you know. <clears throat> uh, so that, that that changed things around for me because I, I remember bullying a girl when I was in grade one. Allah. I used to pinch her and then I'd come around her and everybody say, "What are you crying about?" And I'd say, "Yeah, what are you crying about?" And she would be, look at me afraid. So I, I was pretty evil in grade one when I bullied her, and I learned something from that. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is, Allah Taala showed me things that could have led me to be a bad person, but guided me back, subhanAllah. Yeah. So in Lebanon, there are lots of stories about these traumatic yeah. experiences, but all these shaped me, alhamdulillah. 100%. They shaped me big time. 100%. Coming, um, we looked after our grandmother in the final year, my brother and I, my parents came back and said, Dad, my, my father, I was 17, nearly 18, my brother was 16, he's doing his trade, he says, I'm going to have to leave you alone. I said, but yeah, we can do it. Now I have to say, our relatives and our cousins were amazing, okay? And there were, my father had friends, but then when he left and I was a bit older, nobody, we had cousins coming around, but they only, you know, they've got to look after their own families, yeah. but especially those friends who acted like they were the best friends of my dad. Some grew a beard, made themselves religious. As soon as he was gone, they can't benefit from him financially. Wallah, I never saw him again. Allah. And so one of them owed my father money and he said, you can get, you know, $100 because we, we were suffering. We never, we didn't eat meat for about three months. We, we were living like, we were basically living on the poverty line, my brother Allah. and I. Subhanallah. So that was something. 
And my grandmother's there. We're helping her. She's helping us. Rahmatullah. She had a, she, she also had an amputated leg as well. Allah. So I remember those friends really, I don't know why, they hurt me more than the missiles, more than the gunshots, more than the life the life-threatening situations. That when people betray you and are two-faced like that, they are the most hurtful. Wallahi, among all that. At least I know that's a missile, it's a bomb. I'll go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm a Muslim, I'm a good person, I've got family, I've got loved ones. But when those two-faced people came along, it hurt me deep inside. As a child, well, as a teenager, that affects you a lot. I said, I did not know there were such two-faced hypocrites out there like that. But did I turn into that? No. I learned what not to do. Because my, at the school I learned a poetry. It says, Amen. I learned the bad, not so I can do the bad, but so I can know the difference between the good and the bad, so I don't fall into the bad. Allah. So you can look at people and say, that's what I don't want to become. Or you can look at people and say, and get affected and get angry and not be patient and become that person, whether it's a parent whether it's your um, the bullying that you went through, whether it's people who betrayed you, or the people who who you, who you looked up to and they and they disappointed you, mm. don't let yourself. You could Allah could be making a leader out of you, Amen. and that's that's the minority of people who really become leaders. They don't let these things get to them. You don't worship them. You worship Allah. Amen. You worship Allah subhanahu wa taala. He will never leave you. Even Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam died. Abu Bakr got up, and he said, whoever worships Muhammad is dead. Whoever worships Allah, he will never leave you. So now I've got, I've got Allah's with me. And he, he's testing me just like everyone else. So I said, I want to become a leader. I want to benefit as much as I can within my skill. I can't do everything. Amen. My brother is better with street, street, well, he's street smart. He's people smart. I go to him for help. When it comes to management of finance, he's a bit better. For me, it's the other stuff. So... That that helped me a lot. Came back to Australia. I said, man, I went through Lebanon. I had cold showers. I almost, you know, one time I got very sick. I nearly died. All this stuff. I go, I can handle anything. Alhamdulillah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made something good out of it. I learned the Arabic language, the adab of Arabic. I just saw everything. Alhamdulillah, Rasulullah he says, if you go through calamities, look at those who are less fortunate than you so that otherwise, if you don't do that, look at people who are less fortunate than you and help them. That's the meaning of the hadith, so that you do not, so that you do not ignore or forget the current blessings that you have. Amen. That's the problem. Amen. You forget what you do have. Allah you start right. thinking, oh, "I'm deprived," but you're not deprived. You're making yourself think that Amen. you're deprived. Allah has not deprived you. Yeah, but you put your standards really up high here, and you think that I'm entitled. What? Why? 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 But Rasulullah said the, the best of people is one most beneficial to people. So Amen. it's the ones who Amen. give. And, and love in a relationship, how does it become? By giving, not by taking. Amen. Isn't that correct? Amen. In anything you say. But here's the thing. I, In my opinion, uh, a lot of young people, mashallah, there are so much positivity. I go to the mosque. I do Wednesday classes at the Preston Mosque. The, the mosque is full of mashallah. young people. When I go outside, it looks pessimistic. Going there, it's so, so optimistic. Allah, Allah, so wow, man. Come on, you remember 30 years ago when we used to go to the mosque, who did you see there? The oldies. oldies. Over, over well, 30s, the old over people, 40s, yeah. no young people. And we weren't there, but now subhanAllah has changed. And that inspired, when I came back to, to Australia, Abu Hamza, he was one of the role models for us, um, you know, leading the way in Preston Mosque. And we looked up to him because he used to train us in kickboxing before <laughs> in the olden days. And, you know, young kids, they're like a tough guy who yeah. who stands for something, right guys. or wrong. Huh? You always look up to the tough guy. <laughs> 
But he kind of encouraged, he had a, a role in encouraging he me did, with he my does, father he does. and all that. Alhamdulillah, I started public sp- the, in front of a real audience like that was really in the khutbah in Preston Mosque. My first ever standing in front of people and speaking was translating the khutbah, the sermon, Friday sermon of the sheikhs who visited us who didn't know Arabic, Lord, who didn't know English. English yeah. I remember the first remember time standing that. in front of a real audience. Yeah. This wow. is a real audience, not in university. Not yeah. I'm not I'm not giving I'm not delivering it to some young people. That was it. Now, now, I, you, now you sort of project, project yeah. to the peers, people that you know, people that you respect, people that you care about. Comparatively, you got to see if people you don't know who you're talking to now, from the the the, the highly intelligent to, to to the to the simple people to the all sorts. After I finished, people gave me feedback. Inshallah, you got one guy goes me in Arabic. You have a a khitabi voice, a voice of a sermon. Another one said, I like how you articulate that in English. We love it. First time we hear religion in English. Abu Hamza used to say it too, but because uh, I went to uni, I, I, I formulated uh, words in a different way. Everyone has their unique way. Yeah, 100%. Yes. 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 It's always been For example, Abu Hamza That's formulates his way and reach, yeah. reached an audience. He even reached me. Mm-hmm. Other speakers reached their audience. That yeah. one reached audience. Everyone, Allah puts them in a place where they can reach out to where Amen. there is a gap. Amen. I can't reach the audience other speakers reached. Amen. But Allah gives you, you know, this is yours. Um, and this is a gift. Yes. This is the, I feel the most wealthiest person. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends someone and they guide it on your hand. Yeah, Look, man. the story is long. That's the first time. I'll tell you something about me. They didn't know. When I sat down, I couldn't get up anymore. My legs were so tired. I had tensed my muscles so much wow. that when I was standing, they don't know on the inside I'm, I'm burning. But on the outside, it didn't show. And, they, and I said, I can't get up. They go, Wallah, you looked so so natural. Well, there's maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given a natural... Public speaking ability, oh. Allahu Akbar. So, oh, the, the, and then from there we had brother. Have you heard of brother Malik? Malik oh, he's gonna be, so there are lots of these beautiful names. He rounded up some brothers and sisters. We used to give them talks, and I learnt about different aspects. Like the first time I learnt about feminism, for example, was that time secularism and liberalism from these people and uh, oh, people who were educated in secular universities. That was another place where I learnt how to talk better and so on. Uh, this is uh, basically uh, the teenager and early early adolescent life. You can kind of formulate how you need the networks and the people Allah brings to you, and you you learn skills from different people. Alhamdulillah. Thank, thank you for sharing, Mashallah. I think uh, it's a beautiful pathway there. Mm. I just want to sort of ask, dig, dig a little bit deep, and I, I know, Mashallah, like you've gone through such an amazing journey mm. from, say, Lebanon all the way through to Dawa, and Mashallah, like you're internationally recognized now. Mashallah, mm. you go to England and. It's amazing how many, like I hear overseas, especially Allahu Akbar, how many people are aware of you, even a lot more than Victoria. Subhanallah, may Allah bless you. How did you transition to the to the international, like from the sort of the national here, Australia, and then suddenly move outwards? Like, because you see a lot of. Is it a complete different world? It is a complete. Of course, it's a. It's. I'm always shocked in the different transitions in my life. Right, I think you would know. Uh, if you have a, the right mindset, you'll always be transitioning from one thing to another. Anyway, uh, so after starting the public speaking here, people heard about me. You've got other brothers and other sisters who love to also earn some rewards, so they tape. They started to tape, I thought, that record. Yeah. Remember nowadays we had cassette, cassette <laughs> tapes. Yeah. Young people don't know what a cassette tape is. <laughs> Make it a challenge to know what a cassette tape is. Yeah. So we used to have those, used to record me, and, and then they would 
distribute it and people will sell it. We should put that up, actually. Put the cassette tape up. (laughs) (laughs) Please put that up. If we can, uh, we'll show people. The cassette tape, the good old days. The floppy disk and the VHS. There it is. There it is. That's a cassette tape. Do you remember we used to use the pencil? Yeah. <laughs> to wind it back. And also putting sticky tape and, and um, the double <laughs> the, the best the one. There were one remember it used to be first single sided and then they were double sided. That's right. Because we had to rewind and yep. then play. So I don't remember. I had to That's remember. a videotape. That's a videotape. We used to watch videos. Uh, so you were, videos you were recorded on these things. Oh, yeah, I did. I did a lot of. <laughs> don't, don't give us away. <laughs> we go we go back to Allah. Yeah. So how how was that transition like? So Again, that transition when people recorded it, and I remember that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala He uses you. Yeah. If He wants to use you, He'll use you. That's Damn at yeah. the end of the day. That's how it is. So I sat down and said, Ya Rab, I will not advertise myself. I will not promote myself. If you want it, I, use me. I Arab. remember. I remember we had use, this conversation, yeah. me and you. Yeah. That's right. I said, Ya Rab, use me. Yeah. Even you never had a Facebook. You never. never. This is the first time in my life this year that I made a. A social media account. Yeah, oh, Facebook's only been around for six years. Because like, we were having a chat. I yeah. remember like, I don't know, maybe a month or so ago, we were mm. having a chat and I said, Bilal, seriously, bro, like, you need to be online. A lot of people told me that over the years and I never listened to anyone because I had made a promise to Allah that time. Ya Rab, I will not promote myself unless you want to. But now recently I spoke to sheikhs and da'iyas and from traveling, you know who I am, Mufti yeah. Bank and Suleiman's and brother... Uh, uh, Wahaj from Perth and brother Ali Hamuda and brother Abu Amina Bilal Phillips. He doesn't know, he doesn't remember, but when he came down here, we had a chat. Abdurrahim Green, we had a chat with him. Zaraboza, Sheikh Zaraboza, if you remember. Mashallah. Remember all those those great speakers, subhanAllah. We we used to get a lot of the brothers coming here. We had that sort of, because we didn't have that YouTube and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So we had that. I remember like the days of Preston that we used to get a conference center and everyone used to run there because there wasn't. It was the only time you get to see these brothers. We never saw them online, like YouTube and all that. Was That's right. Quite, yeah, it was, was big. No one used to speak about Islam in English. Yeah. I was like, wow, what's this? this is a miracle. That's right. I met Abdurrahim Green, uh, may Allah reward him from the UK when he used to come down here. And uh, he doesn't know this, but when you're younger, these little words, they, they do inspire you. 100%. No little word goes unnoticed. Something you don't know who you're going to be gotten. He said one thing to me, you know, that time. I said to him, Abdurrahim Green, how do you speak so well? You enter the hearts. People become Muslim on the spot. I wish I can. I can do that for the sake of Allah. He goes, you can, you can, brother. And I know. I don't even know how to speak UK style. <laughs> I know. I don't know. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> I know you can, wow. and you will. Put your heart to it. Allah. You make dua, and you will. Inshallah. That's all he said. Allah. He said yes. Inshallah, I will. Abu Amin Abdullah Phillips had some words to me, and he said to me, I said to him. Should I continue my Sharia and go get PhD and Masters and that, or should I continue by biomedical science? I was just about to get in. He goes, I think you should finish your biomedical science. It's much better that when a person who is a Dao who speaks about Islam, and you've got you know science behind you and other mm. things people perceive as secular, in this world you'll have more weight to your words. Mm. I said, all right, I'm going to go do it, inshallah. Sometimes I walk into classes, you know. Um, I work at the school, I'm an educator. Sometimes I walk into class to talk about Islamic perspective on evolution. And they say, hold on, what's a religion teacher talking about science? I said, yeah, I've also got science and religion. And, and then it carries more weight because yeah. you know what you're talking about, right? Mm. That you got the science because unfortunately young people separate the two. And yeah, it was never true. separated in history, obviously. They're always together. They're all together. But in answering your question, along the, we said that how did I get up into national speaking? So people recorded my talks. May Allah reward them. And one day there was this new social media platform called 
Pal Talk. Have you ever heard of Pal Talk? Yes. You remember the Pal Talk? Yes. yes, yes that was the, uh, the with all the dial-up internet and it took yeah, us yeah. an hour to dial-up. Yeah. But then we had a brother, and then mm-hmm. Amir Butler, my eldest brother, I reward him. He was part of the the one who resolved the bug for the millennial the millennial bug, if you remember. That's in right. 2000, 2000, they said yes. there was going to be a bug that destroys all the internet. <laughs> he was one of the instrumental people, in genius Muslim brother who converted to Islam. Allah reward him. Still a friend of ours. Anyway, the point is that... Um, uh, I remember he recorded, he used to come in with Paltor because he was so good at using the internet. And I remember he was the only one who used to come in and record it and people in America would listen to it. And one day I was speaking about Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal and his trials and what he went through and all the comments came. It was the first time anyone's heard me internationally live. After he finished, he says, you're famous. So what do you mean? He goes, you're famous. Look, here it is. You're out there in America. Allahu Akbar. Alhamdulillah. It's not about me, brother. The first talk that actually went viral in those days, in, in viral word by, by word of mouth, was Ahmed the Repenter. Do you remember that talk? Yes, mashallah, that did. Ahmed yeah. the story. And now I just delivered that in the UK now. It's on Mufti Meng's website, uh, Mufti Meng's YouTube channel. He was there. Yes, he came right. and he liked He was in the green room and then he came and sat down and he couldn't, you know, he, he just listened. It was Sheikh Dr. Haytham Haddad as well. Love him and respect him, mashallah. Great scholar right. in the UK. He came and sat down and listened as well. And Sheikh Ali Hamouda, if you know him, he's now he's just started on the social media, becoming very good people to listen to, mashallah. Sheikh Wahaj was there. And after that, Mufti Man comes up and he says, that was beautiful. Because that was beautiful. SubhanAllah, he was a bit teary. Wow. I go, really? Because I was being Sheikh Muhammad Haddad, Haddad Haytham said to me, uh, Dr. Haytham Haddad said to me, that was beautiful, brother. That wow. day I led in. The, Ahmed the Repenter. I, I couldn't believe that 26 years later. So the first time I delivered was 26 years ago. Allah mm. Allah. The first time Allah hearing Allah. a cassette tape at, at my at Isna. It used, to called, it used to be called Iska. That's right. Remember the Iska? Iska yes. It turned to Isna and then my son. <laughs> That's right. Up on Sydney. And then uh, it still has an impact. Allah Allah. And the other one was Those Who Desire Paradise. That was the first time I delivered that was in Sydney at IDCA. Brother Ihsan Abu Ahmed, may Allah reward him, him and his crew. And I used to go there to Sydney and deliver those desire, paradise, motivational talks like that. And, oh, wow. and alhamdulillah, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. The people in the UK heard it. This is the current generation. So now they've gotten older. So hell, yeah. And the younger generation now is are saying, who's this? SubhanAllah. <laughs> and again, we say alhamdulillah, oh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What I hope is this year, akhi. I started getting invited to a lot of places. I've been to Ireland and Dublin, beautiful brothers. The U.S. has invited me many times. I'm really sorry. They have invited me many times. I haven't been able to go. Uh, brothers from Canada, brothers from, alhamdulillah, all around the world. Zakir Naik once, uh, his crew called me before he left India. I didn't get wow. the chance, subhanAllah. So these are things Allah. I missed out on, oh, subhanAllah. Wow. Uh, but UK was big. I went to uh, a few countries, uh, Malaysia a lot. And last one in the UK was amazing, mashallah. The UK we went, yeah, that was uh, with yeah with Mufti Mank and the others. Mashallah. But uh, alhamdulillah, we started, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened the doors. But I want to tell you something. I went to the UK, as you said, on December. And this is just one story of many. I will tell you, this is one story of many that are similar. Wow. Listen to it. And I won't mention his name. So when I went there, a brother comes and he sees me. As I'm walking, as soon as he saw me, he jumped onto me. He hugged and cried. He was shivering. I don't know. I said, is he all right, brothers? He just keeps looking at me and started crying. Looking, crying. 
I said, Khair, inshallah, Habibi, what's wrong? Are you okay? What's happened? I thought maybe he's lost someone. Because when I went to the UK, some people people knew about my tragedy. So that people were coming and saying they lost their daughter or they lost their son. And oh, they relate with you yeah. so because you have the same. I thought maybe he lost his mother or father or brother or something. And then he picks out his phone and shows me pictures on his camera roll of me when I was about 28 years old in my old house with my little kids. I didn't know what to think of it. I don't even have these pictures. How did you get these pictures? I don't have them. And there was a sister there, may Allah reward her, subhanAllah. I'm going to show you how one little action can lead to so many rewards, it's an investment. You're not even in the picture anymore. This particular sister came to our house that day. And I remember now, she said to me, brother, I have this friend of mine, her son is, uh, he, he, he's, very, he's got depression, he's lost himself, he doesn't know where to go, he's about to take his life. He's just lost his way, he needs some help. And he listened to one of your talks and he would love to meet you one day. Can you just do a little recording and just, just say a few words? For me, that time was 28, I thought, well, someone who's sad or whatever, I'll just say a few words. I don't, I don't think it's going to change anything. And so I said, oh, brother, how are you? How's it going? This is your brother, Bilal Assad, talking to you from Melbourne. Hang in there, my friend. Hang in there, Habibi. I love you. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala support you and give you great success. That's it. Something like that. Something mm. like that. Allah Around Allah. those lines. Sister standing and she goes, thank you. Allah is going to mean a, lot, mean a lot to him. In my mind, I'm thinking, that's nothing. What's it going to mean? Nothing. Yeah, Allah, I'll say it anyway. For the sake of Allah, maybe it will make a change. This brother, he got these this recording and he cherished it. Allah, 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 it's not from me, it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anyone can say those words, but to him, he cherished it. That was his way. He said to me, brother, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent you to save my life. Do you understand what saved life? He was going to end it. That's amazing. I started crying with him. (laughs) I went in a room, we sat down and he showed me I don't want to give too much information, but he started Dawah and he's become so successful. Wow. He said to me, I want to show you something. That one word that you said to me, wow. now look how many people are benefiting. He doesn't want to be known. He's a sincere young man. Allah Akbar. Many like him. And subhanAllah, yani ana, I got very uh, emotional. It just, show, it just <laughs> yani, shows you. How something so simple and so mundane can change lives. You know, subhanAllah, you just, you just remind me of um, of uh, Muhammad Ali and Tyson's story mm. where where they did uh, they did the story on him and they said, because he was a very troubled youth, Muhammad Ali, and it, the thing that, the catalyst that changed his life was the police officer, because he used to always cause trouble on the street, so he, he grabbed him off and put him in the in the cop car and took him to the local boxing gym, yes. which changed his world. So when they did the, you know, you know the one that they show that in England where uh, they bring all your past, yeah, yeah, they brought the police officer, Subhanallah, and met him. He cried. He didn't know. He just said how one man so simple, just taking him. He, he never met him afterwards. Allah All he did was take him in the police Allah. car and take him to a boxing ring and said, "This Allah. use your energy here." Wallahi, wallahi. And that's you know what we're talking about right here. S- maybe young people didn't catch it. I don't know if you caught it. 
I told you this story because this one story, I want all the young people to know they are all empowered now. Every one of them has something they can do. This one sister, I've never seen her again. One word. Do you know what Allah says? A person, the one who just points your finger, you point someone to good, it's as if you did it yourself. Now that person goes and does it. Another person does it. And then guess what? You're sitting at home. You probably die. The multiplier, man. And uh, your your investment, just like money investment, you'll keep getting yeah, passive yeah. income of rewards <laughs> for the right. rest forever until forever. people stop Eternity, it forever. Yeah. Allah does not lose your at any little thing that you do. So that brother yeah. who comes and goes, I want to have a voice. So brother, you don't have to be a public speaker. All these, I see young people, yeah. may Allah reward them. Make your intention right. If you can come up on social media and give da'wah and talk to people and teach people, excellent. But please. Do not talk beyond your boundaries Amen. and learn what you want. Have someone to guide you and take advice. Amen. It's not about you. Otherwise, you'll lose all your rewards. May Allah support you. I want to support the young people. That's what we want. Yes. That's what we want. Yes. One more little story is, is do you know Yusuf Estes? Yes, yes. Everyone heard of Yusuf Estes? Of course, yes. So in, back in the days when I was about, what? He, he 20, came to Australia. He came many times. Yes, Yusuf Beautiful young brother who, Inshallah, young brother, yeah, I said, no, beautiful yeah. elderly, elderly uh, role model of ours in this day who used to be a, um, a, a evangelical himself. Yes. And anyway, what happened was that uh, he came to Australia, I think uh, this was about 15 years ago, and went to Dallas Brooks Hall. That's where it was about, done. Now I'm sitting, I went there and I sat in this chair like this. I'm sitting and that's the stage in front of me. And at that time, I had already been giving speeches and I was traveling already into interstate. I hadn't gone overseas yet. So these people coming from overseas were a big deal. Yeah. All right. It's just human nature. See someone come overseas, it's a big deal. Or I see you on the screen, it's a big deal. But you and I, me and you guys, it's just, it's just Bilal. It's just Ibrahim. It's just that, man. Yeah. Oh, look at you guys. I think these guys, these guys from Burgess now, mashallah, they're so successful. They were just pulling, pushing a car when I was 19 up on the street, conked out, with no petrol in it. And they look like homeless. Um, that's what I thought. Hey, well, so uh, off the street. Hey, well, uh, trying to push that car without petrol. Yeah, I'm thinking these homeless kids. <laughs> Subhanallah. Look what Allah made him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Bless you. Allah but this Yusuf Estaz comes along. I sat down there and I said to myself, man, I've been giving Dawi and talking about deen. But you know what I've noticed? I'm talking to myself. Allah has not guided one person from, from, from kufr, from being a non-Muslim into Islam. Oh, wow. I, I never encountered anybody who left, who became from non-Muslim converted or reverted to Islam. Oh, wow. So all I've had is, okay, alhamdulillah, and I'm very proud of it. Brothers who weren't praying, they started praying. People were going the wrong path. They started on the right path. Alhamdulillah, I was very grateful. But in my mind, I thought, come on, Ya Rabb, just guide someone really, really from out there into Islam. Because I heard the Prophet wasallam said, for Allah to guide one person on your hands better what the sun has risen upon. So I don't want these great rewards. I want someone to convert to Islam, to revert to Islam. All those prayers, everything, whatever comes out of them. It's my investment. That's all I want in this world and the next. So I said, maybe I'm not talking right. Maybe I'm not saying the right stuff. I'm just not appealing to these guys. Look, I remember in Preston Mosque, brother Reuben, the one who said, I will work at Reuben. Yeah. He comes in and he becomes a Muslim first. Then he meets me. I go, come on, man. I, I, I saw you sitting on the chair before you became a Muslim, but he becomes a Muslim by someone else. I'm always the, the one they come later to learn more. And I thought, I want someone coming fresh. Come on, right from there. So I sat there and said, this, look, look, I go, look at these speakers in my head. These speakers, I love them, but they come here from overseas. 
They give a short speech about something, all right, and then 40 people get up and convert to Islam. They say the shahad. I go, why? Why should they get it and not me? <laughs> but not in, not in a sense that I was upset, not that I didn't want them to convert. No, I was happy. But this is what you call the halal jealousy. <laughs> halal jealousy means I'm happy and I want them to continue, but I'd also like some of these rewards myself. I want to be part of this. I want to be part of this. I want to also be part of this. So anyway, I go to myself, this Yusuf Astaz now is going to tell some story about his life, how he converted. I mean, it's amazing. I've heard it all. We, we do talk like that sometimes and watch. Someone's going to come up and say the shahada. So as I'm sitting there, he finished his talk about his how he became a Muslim and all that. Suddenly a sister puts her hands up, says, brother wants to, come, wants to become a Muslim. SubhanAllah. So I'm watching, I go, really? <laughs> I said, Ya Rabb, guide one person on my hand from disbelief into Islam. Ya Rabb. I made a dua like that. And then this girl comes up, I go, I go really? <laughs> she comes up, come from Papua New Guinea, and she says the shahada. Yay, mashallah, takbir. I said, alhamdulillah, ya Rabbi, ya Rabbi, ya Rabbi, guide someone like that on my, on my hands, like, like that, like her. Time passed, and uh, I'd have to say, it, my, my wife at the time, she, uh, she went to a gym and, uh, uh, and uh, she met uh, a sister there, and the sister said to her, oh, your, your husband is the reason why I converted to Islam. So, so I'm hearing this story and I said, hmm, well, I've never met this girl before in my life. The story was that this particular girl, she had a friend, Somalian friend, who worked at Woolies, used to be called Safeway that time yes, in the Delhi. Yeah. And her mother, this Somalian sister, her mother used to pick them up. She was about 17, 18, take them home. And at that time, I had the cassette tape, <laughs> the cassette tape. And it was about the story of Yusuf Alayhisselam. Just Yusuf giving it up in my center, Iska, at that time. And uh, she said, this is a very close story to the biblical story. She was Catholic or Christian. I'm not sure what, which denomination of Christianity. She said, but your one, I think what I remember her saying is, is, is that the story is that she, she found it more consistent. So it filled the gaps. Wow. She says, can I have this tape? Tape? And then, you know, the mother, you know, Somali mother, yeah, take it all she wishes, yalla, convert now, yalla. So she took the tape and then asked for the rest of my lectures and listened to all the prophet stories. How would you think that someone would convert by listening to prophet stories in the Quran? Allah That's why the majority of the Quran is about the prophet stories. So she listened to it all and that inspired her to become a Muslim. And then subhanAllah, one day after learning about Islam as a result of that, she said the shahada in front of her friend, the Somali sister, at their house oh, or, wow. or somewhere else, I'm not sure where, but she said the shahada with her privately and she says this sister uh, one day she went with her friend the Somalian to a talk at Dallas Brooks Hall by Yusuf Estes so they went up there she goes I'm listening and then suddenly my friend said to me after the talk was ended hey you know how you became a Muslim why don't you encourage other people but just going up here on stage and just saying it again, just to inspire people. Wow. She goes, oh, that's a good idea. Full circle. Allah, that Allah, was the same circle. girl 
when I was lifting my hands up saying, Ya Rab, guide someone on my hands, it's not fair in, in that sense. Allah not not fair, astaghfirullah, not in kufr way. <laughs> to me, Allah like, Allah oh, come on, man, I'm trying my best here. Ya Rab. And Allah showed me with that dua, that's the girl. She's been guided. <laughs> I guided her because of something you did. Allah. And I'm thinking to yourself, that. Wallahi. Till today, I don't know who she, I've never met her. And I just wow. met... Uh, the Somali sister the other time, another sister wanted to become a Muslim. She went to Preston Mosque. And I met this Somali sister. She's married to a friend of mine. I don't want to say the names in case. Allah. And she said, you know that story you talked about? I go, yeah. She goes, that was me. And this is, we're talking 15 years later now. I said, you? My friend's wife. She goes, yeah. And we just came back from, you know, we went to Papua New Guinea and we saw this particular sister. She went and gave da'wah to her mother. Her mother converted to Islam. Allah or reverted. Allah. Then I think it was 17 members or something of her family or seven members also converted. Allah. And now they just told me we went to the village she's from and they've all <laughs> converted to Islam. Allah. Subhanallah. Allah. What is the point of this? You never know. It's not just dua. It's not just dua. It's also you. You assume of Allah. Don't, some people look at this person and want those views. I want to get those likes. I want to grow my channel. And, and you think that's the way. But Allah tells you, listen, take it easy, take it easy. Guidance is on me, not on you. You just, you're just a messenger. And just say, be sincere and forget about it. I will guide whoever deserves it. You'll be. I'm talking to you, and the guy behind me is getting affected. The point I'm making this is usually it's not praiseworthy. It's not liked in Islam. You shouldn't. In fact, sometimes it's haram yeah. to praise yourself and talk and up and 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 talk yourself up. But if there is a benefit, but if there is a benefit Amen. and if you know that the position is being taken over by people who are corrupting that misguiding or you see that the position is scarce and you know that Allah has given you skills and expertise you know yourself sometimes it becomes not only recommended but obligatory yes. yeah. to come up and say I have these skills put me on them this is my application I want to do it and you strive towards it with all your might and power 100%. and make it but but why are you doing it because you feel that you have a responsibility not you want to be privileged Amen. you Amen. have a responsibility Amen. that's the way you got to take it Amen. and that comes with gifts on it one, one of the reasons why we started this podcast. We, we, uh, i know this social media just started a month ago for me Mashallah. as i told you Allah, but i had sheikhs and Mashallah, my own teachers and scholars who told me you have to yeah it's, it's now obligatory on you so change your promise that you did and say, Ya Rabb, now that there is a benefit, I want to please you. It's become obligatory for us to. And I have a lot of brothers and sisters around the world have taken my talks from the past and they've used it. And we give them permission, yeah. alhamdulillah, because at the end of the day, it's not about us. Yeah. It's about the da'wah, inshallah. Allah brothers and sisters, make it about that, inshallah. Allah Allah Allah. Thank you very much for sharing. Zakallah khair has been a beautiful talk. We can go in for hours and hours. And I think uh, <laughs> uh, we can go for this for ages. Okay. And we love, we love you, my brother. May Allah bless you. Thank you for sharing. May Allah love you. May the one you love me for love you back. Love all our brothers and sisters out there. Congratulations, brothers and sisters. Wallahi, I encourage you. And as Allah is my witness, my young brothers and sisters, I love you for the sake of Allah. And anything you need, we're here for you as much as we can. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for sharing. And uh, anyone who's interested, inshallah, uh, brother Sheikh Bilal Asad is online and you you can find him all on all the platforms. So Me or any other scholars, any other speakers, but I'm one of them. I'm one of the fish in the... In the Allahumma barik. Allahumma barik. Thank you. Jazakallah khair. Jazakallah. Alhamdulillah. Rabbil alameen.
صلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت استغفرك واتوب اليك اللهم اصلح اخواننا واصلح اولادنا واصلح شبابنا اللهم وجنبهم رفقاء السوء اللهم وفقهم لما تحبه وترضاه اللهم وفقنا جميعا واغفر لنا ذلاتنا واهدنا الصراط المستقيم امين يا رب العالمين صلى الله على نبينا محمد اللهم صل على سيدنا الحمد لله رب العالمين جزاك الله خير